Hello, Managing Madrid Podcast listeners. This is Kian Sabani. What you're about to listen to is a small clip from a much longer episode, which went up exclusively over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid and included topics like who will start versus Real Valladolid on Friday. Uh, the best places to eat and hang out in Madrid, our favorite Benzema goals from last season, Endrick's stuff and his performance last night, Brahim Diaz, Jude Bellingham, Luka Doncic, and much more. If you want access to that, go to patreon.com slash managingmadrid and enjoy today's clip. And we'll be back tomorrow for a full episode on this RSS feed to discuss the post-game stuff from the Real Valladolid game. So stay tuned for that. And enjoy today's clip in the meantime. Thanks for listening. Let's jump to it. Andrew Houston says, Hi, Keanu Lucas. Every other day, it seems like some wealthy investor from the U.S. has purchased a share of some Premier League team. I have loads of friends who watch football and none of them watch La Liga but me. The U.S. and Canada are one of the largest and most lucrative markets in the world. And I fear... If La Liga don't step up their game against the Premier League in North American market, then they will fall further and further behind. I know you guys just met with La Liga reps in Toronto. Is there anything they are doing to compete with the Premier League globally? That's part one of the question. We'll we'll jump to part two later. This is a very interesting discussion, but I think that it's very tough for La Liga to compete with uh, with the Premier League uh, in a, in a global market. You know, in in every country outside of Spain and outside England, I think it's almost impossible. I think the Premier League has done a brilliant job over the last 15, 20 years. Really, I think they've marketed their their product really well. They've done a very good job of using the resources they have, and obviously the fan um, the fans from small football markets like for example africa or asia those players i those places who lack uh decent representation in, in the in, in in you know in the global market of football they tend to follow the premier league much more than they follow uh, other leagues or other clubs so i think it's almost impossible for la liga to match that kind of uh reputation that the Premier League has outside of Britain and outside of Europe, really. Uh, in Europe, obviously, everyone supports its own club, mainly. But outside of that, North America and, and Asia and Africa are markets that the Premier League is uh, is dominating right now, and it will be almost impossible for La Liga to, to, to equal that kind of reputation, no matter what they do, honestly. They can, they can do a brilliant job, but I think the Premier League is so far ahead that it'll be almost impossible for La Liga to to match that kind of reputation. Well, speaking to the reps in Toronto, like, you know, uh, Catherine is one of the La Liga ambassadors for Canada. She came to our Toronto podcast, both of our Toronto podcasts that we did. And speaking to her, I mean, they, they have challenges getting people out to events, La Liga events, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's, yeah, I think they had like a decent amount at their classical watch party. Uh, but I think overall, it can be a struggle. And the reality is, this will, it comes down to where the superstars are, you know? Yes. Those who are Real Madrid fans are Real Madrid fans. You don't need to explain to them, you know? Yes. They're, like, I'll come out even if our best player is like, you know, Julian Faubert. I'll come out and watch Real Madrid because I love the club. <laughs> you and me are like that. But there's a lot of La Liga fans or Real Madrid fans who maybe are more passive or there are non-Real Madrid fans who would watch La Liga or Real Madrid if 
the superstars are there. So, so that's one thing, like, you know, this will fluctuate based on, you know, this is why we had obviously a, the, the classical Mourinho versus Pep with every superstar that yes. played in both of those teams. That's, that's at yes. an all time high, right? Exactly. Now, I, I want to also bring another point in here. One is that a lot of Valiga clubs don't allow for public investment. And most notably, the top two are not uh, privately owned. So Sorry, that's what I meant. They're, they're not privately owned clubs. Yes. Um, and so they rely on their own revenue. So far, that has worked. But ultimately, that has a ceiling uh, when yes. you start to put it up against these oil back clubs. And that's why you see Real Madrid expanding their revenue of like, you know, amusement parks in Dubai. By the way, like I saw a lot of com- people complaining like this is so dumb. Why are Real Madrid doing this? Bro, then don't complain about not signing your favorite players. <laughs> Stop complaining. This is a clean way to make money. Just let the amusement park happen. Let the vision unfold. Um, so that's that's also part of the importance of doing those uh, things that provide extra revenue. The other thing is that uh, some there are a lot of La Liga clubs who are actually privately owned. But La Liga also works in a way that prevents them from spending too much. Yeah, There are strict salary caps, and it's based on how much you generate, how much revenue you generate also in the club itself. A team like Girona, for example, could theoretically, they have enough money, right? Um, yes. They're owned by the Citigroup. Uh, what was the uh, team that recently was bought by a rich Middle Eastern investor, Almeria? Yes. That was that happened in the summertime. Theoretically, you could just start buying a bunch of great players, but La Liga salary caps only allow for so much spending too. Premier League has a salary cap, but it's not structured this this same way. So it's a combination of, of all those things, I think. Um, and I and, and and to be fair, I think these rules are placed for good reason it's to pre- to prevent yeah. bankruptcy yeah, yeah, yeah. and to provide healthy financial <laughs> books. Yeah, which is also extra important. And great if you're only one league competing with yourself. Yeah. But once you start competing with other leagues, that, then it becomes you start to realize really see that where the the financial gap lies. Yeah. And um. And, and I, I think like to dig yourself out of that, I think would rely on financially stable teams first of all, as with with strong, healthy backbones in La Liga, which isn't a ca- isn't the case across the board, especially after the pandemic. And from there, you can start building and maybe attracting stars. And I guess my hope is that it will be cyclical. And but but right now, Premier League is just so far ahead financially; it's yeah. it's really hard. To, and uh, another level, it's on another yeah. level completely. Yeah, you can also uh, we can also discuss the thing that La Liga is not. I I think it's not doing itself any kind of favor by you know banning the the promotion of highlights and all that on on social oh, media so i think i think that's terrible for business to be honest yeah. Great point. every every time I, I i i want to share a clip of an nba game i i know i i have no issues whatsoever yeah I want. I can share every single pass from a Jokic game or whatever, and anything I want, and I know I won't face any trouble. And La Liga doesn't work like that, unfortunately. I just cannot share a single assist or or anything without getting in trouble, and I think that's terrible for business. I get the the, the side of things of 
you know, this is uh, to protect the, bro the broadcasting rights and, uh, and the TV rights that are pretty much what uh, are keeping the business alive. But on the other hand, it prevents uh, fans who don't know you or who don't follow your your competition to get interested and, and involved in the competition itself. So I think La Liga also could do a better, a better job in this regard. It's medieval thinking. Like it's so backwards the way they run that, the copyright stuff. Imagine yeah. Lucas, like every time you went, I mean, you don't, you don't do this. I follow you on Instagram, but imagine like every time someone went and posted like a picture of their Starbucks cup and checked in at Starbucks, Starbucks yeah. came in and it was like, stop advertising our cup, ban, <laughs> copyright. Like that's, I, I know it's not exactly the same thing, but it's it, similar. Yeah. Like these are, this is free advertising for your league. Yeah. Like, what kind of what kind of ridiculous thing would it be to like if someone puts out a Vinicius compilation doing all these amazing dribbles and someone else watching them like wow this is amazing I should I should watch every Real Madrid game to see this guy play but then that video gets banned and blocked on Twitter that's not you're not doing yourself any favors like it's yeah. it's really backwards it's even worse I'm I, I'm kind of used to it because one of my other passion in sports aside from basketball and football is MotoGP motorcycle racing and they are even worse than than La Liga in terms of uh, this, the use of social media and clips and all that uh, I remember that they published a, a, a video tribute to a to a rider who passed away in, in the middle of, of, of the race because of a crash obviously and the the promoter banned uh, the video because he had some footage of, of him overtaking other riders and all that. So, come on, man! It's a tribute video, and you're still banning these kinds of uh, of clips on on social media. It's just terrible. It's just terrible, and, and very bad for business. No coincidence. It, it's definitely not a coincidence that both MotoGP and La Liga are struggling a little bit in in the in, you know rejuvenating the, the their their fan bases and all that. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, the NBA not only allows it, they actually allow revenue sharing. They promote it. They yeah. promote it and they actually pay people when they when they post that stuff. In not all cases, but in some cases, there's revenue sharing involved in this stuff. And by the way, the NBA is one of the most successful leagues in sports. Absolutely. And yeah. it just it's nonstop fun. And like, yeah, that just that they need to figure that out and they don't care. Can, they don't, they don't see it by the way, this has been brought to their attention and they don't see it. They're, they're blind to this aspect of it. In the NBA, I can watch a 10 minute uh, highlights uh, of a game every single morning of the game that, that has been played the, 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 the night before I can watch it instantly on YouTube without any kind of issues or whatever. So it's, it's just baffling to me that you cannot do that in, in La Liga and it's definitely bad for business. I think so. Yeah. The second part of this question from Andrew is also, I will be in Spain on vacation during the home game against Elche and will be going to the game. I am looking for some restaurants and bars and any tourist attractions to do while in Madrid, while in Madrid that day and evening, as I will be in Sevilla the rest of the trip. Thanks guys. Love your work as always. He's, so he's uh, he's looking for advices in in Madrid, right? Not ah home game against Chelsea. Yeah, I I, I, Elche, I, got, Elche. I got confused and and I thought that he he wanted uh, advices and tips for for the game in Elche, but I didn't I didn't uh. think it was a home game in Madrid. Well, you can do you can do the usual. You can visit the the Bernabeu for the museum. You can go to Puerta del Sol. You can go to Retiro. It's a formidable park, one of the best in Europe, I think. 
And in terms of uh, bars and restaurants, it depends a lot, obviously, on your on your budget. Uh, Madrid is no short of uh, of different options for you. I I don't live there, so I cannot recommend you any any specific restaurants. Especially, especially because of the, I don't know the budget you're on. So, but it's uh, it's impossible to not to find the thing you're looking for in Madrid. It's a big enough of a place for you to find the, the kind of place you want to to visit. I don't I don't have much to add other than what you said. Then if if it's just one day and one night in Madrid then just maximize it. I know it goes without saying like, but don't stay in your, um, in your hotel or Airbnb, just be out mm-hmm. all day because Madrid is incredibly vast and really fun to tackle. And you can spend a lot of time in it. And even myself, like now I'm basically, I don't, I don't spend as much time in the city. Now I'm trying to explore outsides and, and some of the other areas, but there's just so much to see. But I would say in addition to what you said, and it really depending on your budget, if you have like a little bit of a higher budget, I'll give you three restaurants that I really enjoy, like late night restaurants, um, the type that are just you you go when you sit in just really high quality food, um, really great atmosphere. Pantera, Quinto Elemento and Ten Content. Those are three really, really great restaurants. Um, if you're on a lower budget, I would say just like stick to the tapas bars um yeah the the one that i really like is el sur and then alhambra is another one those two take note if you want casual food uh tacos al pastor they have one euro tacos there's lineups out the door that's also in the city chocolateria san ginés is a must don't go to madrid to eat tacos though don't (laughs) you're right however I love tacos. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I do too. But if if it's his first time in Spain, go eat some Spanish food, man. It's not that you know Spanish food is terrible enough that you should avoid it. Yeah, but didn't you and I have this conversation? I think I like I asked you like where to eat paella, and you said don't eat paella in Madrid. Ah, in Madrid, in no, 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 no. Just stick to tapas, I guess. In Madrid, in Madrid, you don't you don't eat paella in Madrid. I don't think. Ah, uh, I haven't read any single. Uh, worthy paella place in madrid i think all of the paella places are in valencia so i i know people tend to think outside of spain that paella is a spanish dish and it's right obviously because valencia is from spain but a good paella you can only find it in 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 valencia i think in, in the community in la provincia de valencia in the valencia province so just stick to to cocido madrileño is another local dish which is very good. I think what was the name of the place in Madrid? Uh, can't remember. But cocido madrileño is not for everyone. I don't think it's just it's a very typical di- a very typical dish, but it's not uh, it's not for everyone. So, but just stick to to tapas. I think there no there will be no shortage of of options in Madrid. Definitely. Um, one more thing. Um, there's a few more like great cafes, local cafes that are that are fantastic, but I won't get into the list because I don't want to overwhelm Andrew. But the other thing is, if you're only there for one day, try to squeeze in the two major museums, which is Reina Sofia and the other one is Prado. Yes. Mind blowing stuff like you'll find original paintings from 2000 BC, like 
that are just preserved and incredible to see. Like there's so much <clears throat> history in there. Yes. Would highly, highly recommend. Malacatin is called the, the Cocido Madrileño place. Again, it's not for everyone. Just if you're interested, go, go Google uh, Cocido Madrileño. And if you like what you see, Malacatin is a good place to eat it in Madrid. Andrew, we better not see you ending up at McDonald's after all this list. And or eating tacos. 